Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa Know How. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $849. Toastmaster small appliances are just $214 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, director Ang Lee and producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Either of those. I really can't believe we pulled this one off. This is fantastic. I, I just want to start by saying how thankful I am for the two of you doing this Q&A with us. Uh, been a fan of both of yours for a very, very long time. And I'm super, super excited that you guys joined us for the screening. Uh, before we get started, uh, I want to give a huge thank you to Paramount Pictures for letting us screen Gemini Man before it's in theaters. Huge thank you. And also a huge thank you to IMAX for being a fantastic partner and for allowing us to screen in 3D, high frame rate. Uh, before I started the movie, I mentioned to the audience that the high frame rate... Who in this audience saw high frame rate tonight for the first time? Okay, so was it like I said at the beginning, instead of looking at a movie screen, it was like looking through a window? Would you guys agree or disagree? Was it, was it crazy for you guys to see it like this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we jump into Gemini Man, I have a few uh, what I call fun questions for the two of you. I promise they're harmless. I'll find out in about three minutes if they hate them, but hopefully they won't. Uh, Jerry, what TV show would you love to guest produce? And Ang, what TV show would you love to guest direct? Guest direct? I don't know. I've never tried TV. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a TV show that you're watching right now that you would love to? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> Say no more. Uh, look, and I just love the shows we have on the air, so that's it. <laughs> I accept that. By the way, if, if people don't realize, Jerry has about 72 shows on TV. Um, I'm slightly exaggerating, but uh, not really. Um, 
Besides your movies, what movie have you seen the most? I think David Lean is some of the... I've seen his movies a number of times. Uh, I love his work. Bridge on the River Cry, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. So those are Godfather is another movie I've seen a number of times. Uh, Papa probably, I would say, Billy Wilder. <laughs> okay. Since uh, I was 12, I just noticed this person. I remember the movie I saw, uh, his movie before, uh, and when I was little. Then when I get older, I'll just grab whatever I can, even before that. Um, I, I just love the man. Sure. Uh, is there... Do you guys own any movie or TV show props? Um, I'm not a big collector. The few things I have to collect, like uh, I don't know how many of you have seen the ice storm, uh, the, that key ball where they throw the key in, that destroys so many families. Well, I collect that key ball, <laughs> plastic ball. I kept the, uh, the sword from uh, Crescent Dragon Dragon, that Green Destiny sword. Uh, I designed it, so I keep it. And also the Batwoman, who have that evil stick where they hide the sword and the stick and the poison powder. So I kept that prop. And I kept uh, from the Hulk, uh, that hair file, the, the thing the Hulk catches and spit back and blow up the... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like how you, I like how you said you're not a collector. You still have a few things. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Do you own any? I, I have too many to tell you. Is I, there? I keep things from every movie. Uh, There's been a lot of movies. Do you have like a full storage unit that people would be like losing their mind to walk through? Uh, no, but I have these showcases that I have a lot of the props in. Uh, I've actually, you won't remember this, but I went to your office once, and I remember seeing cool things there. I'll just say it like that. We have a lot. We save some of the key things from all of our movies. Uh, what uh, what film scared you as a kid? Psycho. That's how old I am. It's going way back. <laughs> uh, by the same director, Bird. Okay. And it gets scarier and scarier as I grow older. <laughs> it, it gets more perverse. Uh, once I know a little bit more about female uh, sexual psychology, it, it's even scarier. Uh, um, what? Uh, jumping backwards, what do you remember? What it was when you were growing up that said, "I want to work in the entertainment industry. I want to direct. I want to produce." Do you remember? Was there a, a performance or a movie or something that clicked? that said, I really want to do this? Well, for me, it was just, I loved the experience of going to films. I just loved it. I loved, you know, having my hand in my popcorn and sitting back there and getting lost in somebody else's world. I had no idea how you could do that or how I could be part of it. I grew up in Detroit, and there was a, no connection to Hollywood whatsoever other than, you know, I read everything I could and tried to figure out how I would fit into that world. And somehow I got here, and, Started doing it, so I got very lucky. Uh, for me, it was uh, when I was 18, the first time I stood on stage. I failed the college examination, and I got into uh, Academy of Art. Um, so I was all in shame. I was trying to start my life all over again, and maybe I'd do the next year's uh, entrance examination. But once I stood on stage, I remember something lights like this. I just feel the audience in the dark beyond the lights, and I felt like I belonged there. That was the pivotal moment for me. And I always uh, associate guilt with uh, the pleasure of standing on stage or performing art or even making movies. <laughs> uh, you two have done some huge films, films that are beloved by many, many people. When they meet you, is there one or two things that people always want to talk to you about, or is it sort of like... In certain areas of the world, people are more likely to talk to you about a certain thing. You know, it's, it's funny because we've made so many movies, and it depends on the age. If they're young, they want to talk about pirates. If they're older, they like to talk about Top Gun or Beverly Hills Cop. So, or if they're in the military, they want to talk about 
you know, some Black Hawk Down. Or, you know, it, it all depends where you are in your life, and that's what gravitates them to, to certain movies that I've produced. Uh, for me, is uh, the movie touched them? Um, like Sense Sensibility, uh, Crossing Tiger and Dragon. In China, they like the, the East. They like to talk about uh, Life of Pi for some reason. Um, it inspired their imagination, or um, something touched them deeply. Usually, oh, Brokeback Mountain. I get a lot. I'm uh, changed my life. And thank you. <laughs> and wedding banquet. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, when did you two first meet? Did you did you ever meet before this project to ever talk about working together? I don't think so. No. <laughs> this is it. So can you it was talk- a shotgun marriage? Is what happened. <laughs> so the, I'm I'm curious. Can you? I I I, um, I, I met the, uh, uh, David Ellison in his office. He called me. He wants to meet me about this movie. Uh, that was Skydance. So he pitched me the idea, and it, it clicked right away to see a young Will Smith and a digital person. Uh, I said, would you support uh, the high frame rate 3D? I think to me that's uh, normal frame rate if you want to see 3D. Uh, he said, he's a, he's a tech guy. So I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And J- Jerry is producing it. I said, come, come to my office. i show you a, a real ability and see if you really want to get into it. So that's the first time I saw him. They all come from L.A. to New York to my office, and I show them a reel of Billy Lynn, and they say, we're in. That, that's the first time I saw this, this man, this legendary man, but it, there. <laughs> well, talk, Jerry, this project has been in, I'm going to use the term development hell, for a very long time. What was it? When did you realize this can finally get made? I, I would say it's about three years ago when we figured out, we watched some of the de-aging that they've been doing, some of the stuff that Marble has been doing in a, other films, and we did a little bit of it ourselves. So we, we saw that the technology was very close. So the project wasn't really in development all that long. It was sitting on a shelf because we did it early on when we got the project about I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. We did a bunch of tests, and it was awful, I mean really awful. Uh, we just knew we couldn't do it, so we just put it down and waited, and we brought in David Benioff, who I'm sure you guys know, and he came in and did a rewrite, and that kind of sparked the excitement again about three or four years ago, and that got it started again. And then we took it over to uh, Skydance and David Ellison, and he read it. He said, I want to make this. And then I think he had scheduled a meeting with Ang to pitch him some projects, and uh, Ang kind of liked this one. I'm curious, uh, you've worked with uh, Will Smith a few times. Uh, is it as simple to get him in a movie as you texting him? Or is, how much convincing does it take coming from you? You know, I think every actor is, is you know, get, they all get, the big ones get offered everything. Because they, a movie gets made when Will Smith says, yes, I'm going to do the movie. Unless it's, you know, usually expensive. I mean, that's a different issue. But... So everybody's pulling on his coattails, you know, read me, see me, you know, be in my film. So we're, we just stand in line like everybody else and try to get our day in court. But he, he likes the kind of stuff that we make and produce, and we have a great relationship with him. And he was a really big fan of Aang. And I, it had nothing to do with me. He, he liked the material and loved Aang. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. So that, it was great for us. Uh, for the two of you, the the high the 3D high frame rate in this is the best I've ever seen in terms of the high frame rate. Um, while I enjoyed Billy Lynn's high frame rate, I, I just for me this is it's even better. Can you talk about the technology, where it's at now, and how you were able to pull this off? Because it looks in that high frame rate 3D, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, I learned a lot from both Life of Pi and. Uh, uh, Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, especially uh, Billy Lynn. Um, so I just learned a lot. I just get better on this one. Uh, for that, you, that c- one, I, 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 I want to make a comparison. I want to get rid of, of what we think movie is. That was like the task uh, over with Billy Lynn. Uh, the result is, is, is not all that successful, 
but I was very proud of many things. I found that there's a beauty in 3D where you give sufficient information. I also understand we don't really know 3D. We haven't even started yet. This is a, a new media. It's a new engagement with the theatrical experience. Uh, it's not always in, but you can go out and in. It seems to be something else. And from Berlin, I realized uh, with the two eyes come to a point, it's just you process image differently. That's why you feel immersive. But your mind also racing faster. You're sharper, like in real life. You detect things. You gather information uh, somehow differently. That's why you need higher frame rate, because uh, the two eyes has to line with each other and agree with each other. It seems to be a, a different world out there. To me, Billion, I use a war movie to compare with halftime show to see the contrast. And for this one, I just determined I just want to make it look pretty. Uh, people say it's like a giant TV. It's not. <coughs> it's just something people have never seen before. And they say it's giant TV. Maybe it look like that. So I was determined to make it uh, look really pretty, but realistic at the same time. So finding the uh, a real location that looks pretty, and we also, I think, more successful in this one than Berlin. A lot of the time, I think 3D should have its own lighting because you're giving dimension. You don't have to throw those shadows. You don't have to do separation. In principle, you should light it differently, and you should light for details and more surroundings. So we really try this. Another you might uh, notice is the um, the nice scenes. I wrote a lot of nice scenes. You probably didn't know why I did that, but <laughs> well, I wrote a lot of nice things just to see how lighting works and also expose it differently because at night we see details, but in movies you don't. But with this media, you just want, because it's so much like life, you, you want it to look like life. So you do want to see details. Uh, so I shot a lot of them during the day, and I still lit them and treat them in the post and tweak the color and try to find... Uh, believ believable nice things. Um, and this is also involving digital uh, movie making. So uh, when I talk about digital human de-aging, uh, I was very much, uh, this is the hardest thing to do. Actually to me it's not de-aging, it's recreate that character from zero up. Because uh, by D, you, you brush away a lot of the details, which this kind of media really wants to see detail. You're happy when you a supply of plenty of information. I think your eyes just happier, you're more relaxed, you're more focused. Um, so there you go. I think I just learned a lot from the past experience. Uh, in terms of using 3D language, I was more sure what equivalent, when you use certain length, certain depth, certain width uh, of separation, how that equivalent to how I feel and how I want to express. I'm still waiting for audience to tell me how they feel. So I'm still learning. Also, he picked the most difficult way to do it. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot less information on the screen when you shoot it at 24 frames. And to create Junior, you could see every glint in his eye. Where if you shot it at 24, there's motion blur, there's grain. It covers a lot of the details that could have your eye think it's a fake. Uh, so by doing it this way, he made it five times harder to create Junior. So that's the mastery of what he has pulled off to create this human being, uh, completely digital based on Will's performance. So it's, it's, it's quite an accomplishment what, he, what Aang did. I, I have a whole bunch of questions about, oh, sorry. I have a ton of questions about Junior, but I want to actually ask a specific question about the cameras. Can you talk about the cameras you used? And I believe you said the other day that it was like you were learning on the job, too, in terms of the cameras getting better on the shoot. Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, I'm not a techno nerd uh, at all. And so I kept watching these. First of all, these cameras, their rigs are enormous. We had to go to Germany to get special rigs made, and we barely got those rigs in time to start shooting the movie. It took so long to get them made. And there were 20 wires coming out of the back of those cameras, maybe more, 30. I mean, there were just wires everywhere. And as the movie progressed, there were less and less wires. So they kept <laughs> creating better way to shoot the movie. I think at the end there were like seven 
wires going into the camera. And so I think this medium will evolve, and the cameras will get smaller, and there'll be less wires, and much easier to, to operate and use. Also, it was so difficult. The cameras were so heavy that we, when we wanted to do handheld, it was really a chore for our, for our handheld operators. So what, what Ang and the, and the Grips designed, they designed these bungee cords on, on like rollers, and uh, it was just fascinating to see what they did. So you could move around with these cameras, and they'd kind of bounce up and down as we moved them. So it was, it was really a, a, a technological feat, what you saw on the screen. It looked so simple and easy, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, thanks to Aries, they created uh, seven cameras for us. That's half the size. That accommodate 120 4K. Um, therefore, we need, because the camera is smaller, uh, because we have to shoot uh, actions, it, it has to be smaller. So we have to develop the, the new rigging that's smaller as well. And the wires is, I don't know, there's just so many people working. I don't know what they do. They all look serious and busy <laughs> looking at some kind of monitor, like three tenfold of people wherever I go. It's just endless wires and meters, and everybody's so busy. How did shooting in this format with these cameras affect your shooting schedule? Does it amplify it by a certain percentage, or by the end, do you sort of figure out a way to make it work in the normal time frame? Well, I think we, we figured out a way to work, make it work, but it was very tough on Ang because in the beginning, it didn't always work the way he wanted it to work. So you always had breakdowns where one of the eyes were off and had to start all over again, or the camera would break down. We had to send cameras. It was, yeah, there were all kinds of issues, but he stayed on his shooting schedule. He just had less coverage and less time to direct the scenes, but... As you see, he did a masterful job. And I must say, it really takes a seasoned director to do this, to decide what exactly you have to shoot. Sometimes we might shoot like two shots a day. In action, we, we don't have coverages, really. We'll assemble the shots. There may be eight shots a day, eight to ten shots. That's really minimum for action movies. Yeah, Michael Bay would shoot 40 to 50 setups in a day. <laughs> And he'd, use, and he'd use every one of them. <laughs> I've, I've, in some way, we're expensive, big movie, but it's like poorer than student films, like really, really uh, stringent. Like. I definitely want to jump into uh, creating Junior. Um, talk a little bit. I mean, what you had to do to bring this performance to life is, is crazy. Um, talk a little bit about what, Will was basically, there was another actor there, and then Will would recreate the performance. Could you sort of talk about how it was brought to life? I'll do it poorly. Ang would do it much better. But w there was really three Wills. There was uh, the first Will who, who we used for his body type and his skin. He was young and handsome. And so he always was acting against Henry. And then we'd have a stuntman in the action stuff replace our, our handsome guy, and then Will would then do every scene all over again by himself for the acting part in, in a head rig and pajamas with all the dots on him. So Aang had to, had to do every scene usually three times to get what you saw on the screen. Uh, the, the hardest part of uh, creating uh, Believable um, when Junior is Science is hard enough. The study on aging, what it does to a person, and how do you make a, a lively person look like it's alive, that's really hard. But the really hard stuff comes after everything is perfect. That's when your work started. How we perceive Will Smith, how we think he can play uh, kind of like in a better acting today, a young man with innocence, uh, which is kind of a different kind of a character than how we remember him at his age range and all those things each time the scene change light change angle change somehow it just doesn't look like him or doesn't look right we check uh, his old movie let's say we take bad boys half the shots don't look like him but you don't care because you know it's real um but with the digital we we don't really want to believe because we know it's not true so you're really fighting with the, the viewer's uh, uh, 
um, perception, and that's kind of a whimsical. And when we watch 3D, the difference between people are, are much larger than 2D. Uh, so even to our filmmakers, like the top head of department, when we watch a shot, we can have very different opinions. So you just go over and over and over and over until we feel like, I think that's Will Smith uh, when he's young and performing like this. Yeah, there, I'm sure there were over 500 artists working on this. Yeah, it's about Weta. 500 people spend yeah. um, a year post. Actually, they start working on it when we shoot. Uh, I have to give them, producers and studio, a lot of credit because they allow us to turn over while we're shooting, like before we lock the cuts because they spent, start to spend real money. We commit to it, even we don't know what <laughs> the end of it, what it really looks like. And they're already spending money because we really uh, need all that time. Uh, it's just time and effort, time and effort. I hate to call it technology because technology only goes this far. The red is like artistic endeavor, like hundreds of people just keep going at it, keep going at it, guessing and trying, guessing and trying, scratching our heads. <laughs> and Aang wasn't even sure himself if he could pull it off. He said, I'm pretty confident, but I really don't know if we can do this. <laughs> Uh, what kind of sold all of us is he took a scene from Bad Boys, and it's uh, Will and Martin in a car, and they're talking. And he took one of the headshots of Will and replaced it with a digital Will, just one shot. And you watch the scene, and I couldn't pick out the shot that he changed into a digital head. So that gave us an enormous amount of confidence. And him, too, I think. Ang felt pretty good about what happened. <laughs> One of the things about Will is that he's, I think, 50, but he looks so much younger. Um, how is that as a ch how challenging is it to make him look, do you know what I mean? Because he looks young. Well, we put some gray hair. We, had, we, we put yeah, gray we hair on him and we made him look a little <laughs> older. We tried different ways to do that. But uh, if you do the study, compare then, even Will, who's kept himself so well, you see the difference. You see the difference, right? Uh, the age does something to us in, in 20, 30 years. Yeah, and you have to understand that the people at Weta had to reconstruct his whole face, that, from the muscles to the pores on his skin. That was all done with their artists. It's just amazing what they accomplished. They had a skeleton view of his head, and they started adding muscles and everything to his face, and how the eye moves, how the mouth moves, what muscles move the mouth and the eyes. And you think even the eyes the are the hardest. Enamel, you know, our even enamels, the teeth. Uh, change color over the years. Yeah. Subtle things like that. The corner of the eyes, even uh, every tissue, every, how does that move? Relating to the emotion, relating to aging. Uh, it's mind-boggling the study they get into. There's three layers of skins. You can see through him. Uh, every pool is like so much detail. The study on Will uh, is mind-boggling. Uh, what shot or shots did you continually go back to because you were never satisfied? Uh, it's the first shot. I, I was very nervous. Uh, the first real shot of him. Uh, in my plane, people watch the motorcycle fight and he has the, the sunglasses on, though it's in broad daylight. It's action. So I want audience to get used to his existence and accept him. Uh, I think that's easier. The shot really concerns me is when they sit on the bed talking to his dad. Uh, that's uh, the whole thing is in one shot. I, I did a, a like a 180 degree kind of camera move. Uh, that's pretty scary. The whole scene's one shot, and that if I can anchor that, I think people are going along with him. Uh, so that's the anchor shot for me. That that took about after we shot it and turned it in. It took about a year. First shot to turn in, the last shot to come out. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely curious to talk about the editing process because so much happens in the editing room. Uh, talk a little bit about your first cut compared to the finished film and how much changed along the way, if at all. A, a, a lot, really a lot, right? <laughs> um, you know, this is a new look. So I'm nervous about it, you know, how people are accepted. And then we have Will Smith in a big action movie. And personally, I like to do drama. 
and on something you don't see for a year. You know, we have to cut out with uh, Will uh, that funny face with you know, the jumpsuit, with the head gear, with the camera here, and the full of dots uh, on, on his face and white spots. And we watched that for a long time and try to judge if the the movie is moving or working or not. And uh, it's kind of unfair, but that's all we have. And as we going further into it, we see more shots by animation, by really rough in. Um, so it's very hard for for editing. And we tested. It's a long process. We keep changing. Then we have a little bit of reshoot, and finally, when you you know finally kind of see everything, then we felt we need to reshoot a little bit. Uh, I should so say that, that's, that's like whole, every movie, yes, though. Yeah. The additional photography is every movie. <laughs> yeah, what you find out is no matter how many people read the script and approve the script, the audience is much smarter than we are. They really are. And they'll see things that we didn't get at all, and we have a lot of really smart people working on these movies. Uh, but the audience is always somehow a lot smarter than we are. Oh, I was going to say that um, I'm always fascinated by what was the last thing that you cut out before you picture locked? If you can remember. Picture lock meaning like when they lock the movies, you can't make any more changes. There's one scene. Uh, Jerry probably don't want to cut out, but I... Because I, I, <laughs> um, the shooting the father at the end was very unsettling. I think to the audience, uh, I think we need a lighter scene. So we have uh, Mary uh, sort of arrest uh, that bad woman, Lassiter, <laughs> bad boss, as a satisfaction. It's a very light scene. Just try to light things up a little bit. Then we go to the ending. Um, that wasn't a particularly good scene, but it's sort of you sort of need that to lighten things up a little bit. Um, but fortunately, we, we reshoot the ending. That does light things up, and it has a, a warm ending. So we, we took that out. I think that's the last thing we took out, yes. I think so. Um, how does the high frame rate 3D affect the way you shoot a movie? Do you Are you, are you on set and being aware that you cannot do as many cuts or are you filming it a certain way knowing from what you've learned on Billy Lynn and you put into this uh, I think this media like mise-en-scene more than cutting than montage mise-en-scene is how you uh, arrange it in the same shot how do you move things around how you're staging it um, I think that's because you're in it I, I don't want to disrupt people with too many cuts although all the cuts still work you just have to be aware of the Z-axis changes, our eyes adjusting it much slower than left and right, up and down. So other than that, uh, just about all the shots, uh, all the cuts we used to do all, all work. But I, I, don't, I think when you do that, you're not taking advantage of this media. This media is beautiful. We have a lot to see, a lot of detail in one shot. And the shots can go longer, and you can, you can really take advantage of that. So... I do take longer shots. I took master shots um, um, very seriously. Uh, imagine that would be the shot, and I would sort of assemble the movie together instead of cut it together. Of course, being a professional, I have to do coverage, uh, kind of a minimum coverage, just in case that doesn't work, because in a movie you never know. So, so you have somewhere to go. And there are times the master shot work great, but then you... Go to a close shot actor, give you something great. There's no way you're not using a close shot when actors are great. So uh, I do pretty um, minimum coverage, I would say, but I still cover it. Uh, but I, I, I do pay attention to the beauty shots and the longer shots. Make sure it really go well. Uh, when I did two D movies before, uh, wide shot and master shot seems to be when you orient, you know, just get tuning, training the actors to get into the situation uh, or somewhere if you need to reorient your, uh, your audience, you just cut back to the wider shot. Otherwise, you just go in and in and in. That's how we usually make movies. But with this, I, I pay special attention to master shots. 
I was going to say that uh, both of you guys, I'm sure, pre-planned so much on this movie, but there had to have been a day or two on set where you got hit with challenges you were completely not expecting. Do you remember any of those? Every day. <laughs> I would uh, say three times a day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day. Something would break or something would go wrong. It's, it's so complicated, uh, this camera system. There's just so many things that can just go haywire on you. And I mean, he's not kidding. We, we had like three or four tents with technicians working behind the scenes to make sure everything was, was going right. Like he, one of the technicians would run out to Ang and say, oh, the I.O. was off, you know, the left eye is wrong. And so we'd have to redo the, the scene and correct it. And sometimes it, the, one of the cameras would go down and then we had to wait till we got another camera put into the rig or sometimes we didn't have another camera. So there was, there was the always radar, issues. Remote control, um, uh, um, uh, the, 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 the focus pulling doesn't quite work or it's too slow or this or that. It's just always something. Uh, I don't want to discourage anybody making this kind of movie. It's just difficult now. Someday it'll be like, uh, you know, cameras this size of an ice cube and uh, <laughs> film students will be knowing that before they get out of school. All the language, no, this day will, be, will come. But to us, it's really difficult now. Can it will get easier, easier, easier. I don't know if you've seen pictures of the movies that were made in the 30s and 40s, and you saw the size of those cameras. They were just, just enormous. Yeah. And look what we're using today. The camera's about this yeah. big. The cinematographer, so, each time I get in despair or get frustrated, uh, he has something put in my office, uh, one of those cameras, it's the size of two refrigerators, <laughs> with like 30 people standing around it. And I thought, oh, oh, we're not that bad. <laughs> I, am, I am curious, though, at the beginning of the shoot, did you find that there were more technical challenges? And by the end, because earlier you mentioned that you had the wires cut down to like seven. Did you find at the end of the shoot that the cameras were more reliable and you were having less technical hurdles? Absolutely. I mean, we flew out technicians from Germany to work on the cameras to figure out we were having moisture problems in the, in the cold and in the heat. Some of the cameras would go down. They had to figure out what, what the problem was. And they did. They came in and they reworked the cameras and changed them and brought new ones in. And by the end, it was, it was a lot smoother operation. Uh, not only equipments and technician too. Like uh, the focus puller, for example. We trained him for two months. This is like the best in the business. I trained two months, and I kept warning him, when you really do it, it's not, it's not what you're thinking. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's you know, be respectful, but I, I, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. First shot in the movie, we watched the daily. I said, what did I tell you? <laughs> it's that Bonze tree shot. <laughs> you just don't know where your eyes are going. It's like really tricky. And he freaked out, and, and for like months, he would come, every shot would come to my booth, check the 3D, and watch the dailies uh, uh, diligently and try to get it. The time when he really get it, because for the last movie, nobody knows how we pull focus. This is like really difficult, because the information you're attacking along is just so much, and then your eyes are so tricky, so critical, and it's not like who's speaking, you go where. Your eyes do strange things. You don't know what's more interesting and where you're staying. And you have to like super, then we found is you have to be super aggressive. Like before Will is about to do that, even I know, before even Will knows, he knows, like he beat him like a quarter of a second. Uh, there's some tricks. Finally, it takes him like two months to get. It's really difficult. But once you get it, it, it can hype like this. Uh, it's very exciting. It's interesting. You're saying that this is the best in the business, and he's having a, a nervous breakdown. <laughs> you know, but I, I would imagine by the end of the shoot, though, it sounds to me it would be easy in the future, yeah. but it's just difficult now. Yeah. There's a lot of R and D on this one. Absolutely. Yeah. How does it work with in the editing room with shooting 120 frames a second? Um, in the 3D, how does that change the editing equipment that you're using? How many computers you need? Like, how does it change the whole post-production process? Uh, our editor is really a scientist. Uh, him and I, we work every every movie I, I made. I think we're the first ones to use Avid, uh, the computer. Wedding Banquet is 1991, 92. We're the guinea pigs. 
because people let us use it and try which one to invest on, and they give us free equipment. So you, you hardly can see anything. That's how we edit it. So we, we grow together with the editing equipment. Uh, we can edit it on 60 frames per second. Uh, that's how we do it. Well, I'm too bad my editor's not here. I'm like a really low-tech person. But what's special, uh, after Life of Pi, Billy Lee, and this, uh, we, we, we work pretty swiftly. It's complicated, but uh, it's pretty handy. Pretty handy. The, the big difference is that uh, there's no lab to process our material, like to see dailies, to go day-by-day -day business. So we, we have our own labs. So that's special. It's a huge room. Of, I don't know how many terabytes, terabytes you know, they're, they're carrying. Yeah, so that was an enormous yeah. room uh, for the for the equipment to see dailies, and it had to be freezing cold in there. So, so that's really special, special air conditioners in there. Yeah, we have our own lab. It's crazy. Um, so my last question before I open it up for uh, the, the the audience: uh, What do you think the VFX in this are crazy? What do you think for the two of you is the next thing? that Hollywood can overcome with VFX? Or do you, um, let me actually stick with that. I would say um, turning visual effects to uh, visual art. Yeah, it's a artistic approach. You touch up, you do digital movie making. Uh, so people, they're not thinking about the effects. They just watch the movie and it becomes unnoticeable. What is a fantasy or realistic movie? You improve the quality of how we pretend something happens. I think digital, uh, we call it effects. I really don't like to call it effects. I think um, they're great tools. Uh, when we do digital film, they're great tool to, to touch up, to help, uh, to make believe. Is there anything that you think? I, well, you know, Based on what you see now, we can do just about anything. Whatever a writer can imagine, we can figure out how to do it. And that is all new. I mean, Marvel wouldn't be Marvel without the technology that we've created through the years. We, they couldn't make those movies. They could have made them, but the digital effects would have been... There weren't digital effects, so it, it wouldn't have looked the way it looks today. And as computer power keeps every four or five months, it doubles and triples which gives us more and more information, more ways of doing things. So we're pretty much at a place right now where you create something, you put something on a page, and Ang will figure out a way to bring it to an audience. And the technicians will be able to do it. In making this kind of movie, the, the 3D movies, when you supply enough information, it's getting harder and harder to physically pretend something happens. I, I think uh, digital help is... is really helpful in us making this kind of movie. We, we really need it. Be like a normal part of uh, movie making. Uh, that's from my perspective. I'm going to open it up to the audience. Where, where's the ball? There it is. So that is the lead. What's it called again? The catch, catch box? <laughs> that's right. So it's a, it's, a, it's a thing you can throw at people and it has a microphone in it. Um, let's start right over there. Wait, I just want to see something. How many people have questions? Okay, so we're going to try to do what we call the lightning round because I want to try to get as many people in before they tell me that they have to leave. So we're going to try to do this quick so everyone can ask, you know what I mean, like a lightning round. So right there. You got to talk into the thing. I don't know. Hold on. We can hear you, though. No, but I want to make sure that the filming can uh, – is it on? Hold on. Let's see what – yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> It'll be fixed in two seconds. Promise. Okay, let's just call it out while he's fixing. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of both of you, and I just wanted to see from this movie, what was your favorite scene in the movie? The, qu the question for both of you is, what was your favorite scene in the movie? Well, I think the, the motorcycle chase for me is is quite an accomplishment, what, what Aang pulled off, and it's very exciting, and it really puts you there. You're on that motorcycle with them, and it's pretty thrilling. Um, yeah, I'm saying that when Henry wakes up that 10 minutes and the chasing, foot chase that leads to the motorcycle, that sequence, 
I can watch it again and again. I also like uh, when they have that confrontation, talk to each other in, in the catacomb, where we see a lot of a close-up of Junior's face. That leads to the fight. Uh, I like that sequence, too. Uh, next question. I'm going to look over right there. So if, if heat and colder components that go and the rain is too big, how did you pull off underwater scenes? How did you pull off the underwater scenes with the technical challenges of the cameras? I really want to do it because I imagine it would be so beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful shots ever done. I have to do it. It has nothing to do with anything, but I really want to see it. <laughs> How, how did you do it technically, um, Actually, uh, this came from Life of Pi, because we, we have underwater shots, and at that time, nobody take uh 3D camera banging around. It's all, always in the controlled condition, like stage, and we're making water movie. It's pretty crazy. But for that movie, we made the underwater, 3D underwater rigging a, a case. It's a blue box, like very big takes many people to operate um yeah you should see the how we do handheld shot with that thing <laughs> so it's very funny <laughs> uh so i underwater i remember that gear so it called up it's still there uh, only after us probably being used once so we use that to do the underwater shot again it took many people like to operate it uh next uh, right back there. Wait, let's see. Uh, there's a mic. Hello. Okay. Uh, you said you were, uh, learned a lot of lessons from Billy Lynn and other films that you've done. What is the most important lesson you've learned from making this movie? What's the most important message? Lesson. Like, lesson. what did you learn? Well, lesson. Um, I, I think 3D is a different existence. It's not just a space. Um, I think that is a world. It, 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 that is quite different. Don't don't uh, don't assume you know. That's uh, that's listen to me, and listen to my my comrade, all, all the people who work on the movie. I was very embarrassed each time that there's a big production meeting. The first thing I said, this is embarrassing. I want to tell you you're not good enough for the job. Uh, neither am I. So this is something new. Uh, always being alarmed that you're in the process of doing something wrong and you're not aware of it. So you just need that to be um, that, that awareness. Uh, that's hardly a, a lesson. It's just like a cautious thing. Um, I, I learned that um, movie has to be fake. <laughs> From building to this. In building, I stage a battle scene and a halftime show. Uh, to me, they're equally compelling and interesting. But it seems like the world want to see halftime show. They don't want to go to war. So I decided uh, uh, I want to develop the next level of artifice. It seems like movie needs to be in a special place. Giving the realism of this provide to, for people to engage, you still need to create that kind of a dreamy thing. Um, with a genre we're familiar with, which is not exactly serving the story, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, and then you have the biggest movie star who has this thing that we expect from him, and you have him play something else. It's very challenging, it's, it's stretched a lot, Sometimes clumpy, something. Sometimes you feel you hit the sweet spots, like yeah, you know. But the m movie is um is a mystery. Uh, I always try to think I know. I learn something. There's always beat me some way. <laughs> I try to uh, cross in tiger hidden dragon. I want to change it, uh, and then you yield to something. Uh, the next movie I try something. Uh, I really want to make a difference. You, you you make that much difference, and then. The movie will beat you somehow. Uh, something uh, when you wrestle with not only my imagination but audience imagination is really tricky. Uh, it's, it's the lesson is, is harder than you think. Um. Well, thank you. <laughs> is the ball is the catch box working or no? Got it. 
Uh, hi, big fan of, of, of both of you uh, for a long time. Uh, as aspiring, as an aspiring filmmaker, I'm always curious to see what was the toughest and easiest day like on set. Um, I know that a movie like this, or actually any movies at all, are very difficult to make. So I'm just curious uh, to see what the toughest and easiest days uh, was like. Well, I think the toughest days were in Cartagena when the temperature was peaking towards 100. And uh, you're, you're just uh, exhausted and sweating, and it, it was really tough, and the cameras were breaking down. Uh, we had some pretty steamy days. Um, the toughest day was uh, when um, a junior threw that bike towards Henry. That day, we only do, did have a shot. It was a cloudy day. It was just miserable. Nothing looks right. Um, you know, we're under tremendous time pressure because those are historical sites and the uh, very busy touristy site. We make it look like um, like a perfect plague of paradise. Like hardly anybody go there. That's not true. That's infested with the tourists. And so to lock up a section one day at a time. You know, it, you don't have a lot of time. You know, it's a special favor of the city really holds that to make things happen. So that day you have, to, if the weather is bad, it's bad. So that was a bad day. And then no matter how many times we were sending that bike, you know, practice or whatever, the bike just does its thing. And then we broke the, the stuntman, who's just the best biker in the world, like world champion. <laughs> I don't know how many years, like the best in the business. He was doing that sliding and sending, and he broke his finger. And he kind of you know, said, oh, okay, we've got to stop. And then the miserable is like, can I, can I ask a quick question? shitty day is like, nothing works. <laughs> Why do I want to make a movie? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why would come to this place? That's not a movie town. Like, I know it's pretty. Uh, everything goes wrong. He also wanted to know was there, was there ever an easy day? Um, I I don't want to say easy day, but I expect something really hard, but it come off easy. So I would say that's the easiest day for me. That's uh, Will doing junior scene uh, that has the final confrontation with his dad in his office because that happened to be the third week was still early. It's one of the earliest scenes. Like, only the second scene we shoot junior. We don't know if Will can be young and this and that. And he's facing a tremendous good actor, English actor, <laughs> Clive Owen. So uh, the pressure is very high. Uh, in the morning we shot Clive's side. He's like Tremendous, and then we went to lunch, and we'll stay in the trailer one or two, uh, one hour, half an hour longer. He didn't want to show up. I know he's preparing. Psych uh, like himself out. He come out and with his funny gears and dots over his face, and he just nailed in the first take. It was like, oh. <laughs> Everything you see that is a really compelling scene. I, I know it's a young face of tears. That's all. Like someday you see in the making of the movie. That's all will like exactly what he did. Um, and then right after that, I was I was like, if it doesn't go well, maybe we can take one extra day because this is a crucial scene. No, we had before a, we, had we wrap, a, we can wrap like halfway into the afternoon. We had some uh, a couple of miserable days in in Savannah. Uh, they had these bugs called noceums, <laughs> and uh, everybody had mosquito netting and head to toe. But they get inside the nets, and it got so bad. Uh, crew members actually had to go to the hospital. There were so many bites on them. So that was one of our more miserable days. <laughs> All the people that think working on movies is luxurious and glamorous. You know, I think we're we're almost out of time, but I know there's a few. Well, let's go right here. Uh, speaking of world performance, I uh, wanted to know if you knew what he did to prepare. Did he like watch some of his own work? I mean, how would he go back into that mindset to be, you know, his sort of younger self? Uh, in the rehearsal time and even shooting time, we talked a lot. Uh, we did a lot of preparation. In terms of the youthful, um, you have to check his old movies. 
I made a collection. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. <laughs> um, yeah, the bad boys. Some of the bigger scenes, more scenes we we like uh, that make Will Smith. I don't like uh, for for this movie. Some like nothing when he's not doing anything. It's like not important. It's quite genuine. I say no, no, no. And uh, I also like uh, a lot what he did in Six Degrees Separation. Um, that's a great acting piece for him, and he was exactly at twenty-three. So I made a you know this telephone scene where you're. Uh, 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 I like this section. Uh, so I went through that. I went through. Uh, he was very very uh, uh, generous about sharing the Will Smith. What makes Will Smith work? Kind of tricks to me. This work, that work. <laughs> Why is that? That was a lot of fun. Um, and then. Uh, his personal life, he shared a lot, like the genuine him when he was younger, uh, what he was thinking, what is he going through. And uh, because this character has a military background, so he shared his uh, upbringing. He has a mil military father. He grew up in that family, so I asked him to imitate his father. What, you know. So a lot of references to, to begin with. But to unlearn something, using the better skilled actor now. You know, that thing I mentioned about, right after we wrap it, I can't act like that when you're young. It's like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a better actor, so I don't know. I want to keep him being a good actor. But at the same time, he has to unlearn a lot of things he knew uh, and and capture that innocence. So he really, th that's a much harder job than play Henry. Um, he's a lovely man, really working hard. Right before they go into the set, I will respect their privacy. For actors, uh, I think I have a pretty sharp eyes, and also I'm the one who's looking at a 3D monitor. That counts more than what you really see, how he feels, or 2D monitor uh, on, on the camera. That monitor counts. So I'm like the third eyes. I'll, I'll tell him what I see, and he was ve very cooperative. Uh, he really want to act well in this scene. Um, I, I don't care. They don't have to tell me their secrets and how they're, you know, they're when they're prepared. They take a last moment. I'll give them room, give them full respect. Whatever they use, I'll, I'll see the result. I say I like this or not, or what can be adjusted. Uh, actors, they they're very brave. They use something deep in here. I think uh, we really want to respect them, but I can tell if it's coming to life or not, especially with this media. Um, is there a mic? Does anyone have a mic? Oh, well, let's just talk. Okay. Um, you guys both have such incredible bodies of work that have so much action in them, and the Academy doesn't recognize stunts or action design. Um, out of all your films, what do you think would be uh, Oscar winner for action design. The, the, the Academy doesn't really go after action design or stunt work. Um, and is there something, I guess the way to say it is, is there something from your... I think they should. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, in, uh, in Asia, we do. Uh, I, I host, uh, I happen to be the chair of uh, this award called Golden Horse. That's like... Pan Chinese language uh, award is like our Oscars. We had that for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, nearly 50 years. We always have that. that that's a. Can I ask you a question? The, the action, we, we call it best choreography or action choreography award. I just wanted to know how do you it's do it? It's a big it, award for us. Yeah. How do you do it in Asia in terms of? Who, because there's so many people involved in the actual stunt sequence. There are the people that design it. There are the stunt performers. The there's, designer. They get the award. That's what I was curious about. So it's the designer of the sequence. People risk their life. They don't count. But. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people come up with that bad idea, they get awarded. Right. Because that's something to think about, though. A lot of people have talked about should it's it art. be... It's art. It's definitely art. Yeah, 100%. 100% art form. I, I completely agree. Is there a sequence from your crazy resume that you think that if there had been an Oscar that year for stunt work, it would have something that really stands out for you? Well, I think some of the, I mean, Michael Bay's a master at it, and 
he's done so many movies with me that he, I mean, a lot of them are just brilliant what he's done in Armageddon and Pearl Harbor. Those, some of those battle scenes in Pearl Harbor are amazing. Yeah, I, I mentioned this to you yesterday. Of of uh, of all the movies you've done, did you ever think Armageddon was going to be the criterion? <laughs> no, not really, not really. But you know, it's a it's a really entertaining movie, and it's fucking awesome. It. Let's not call it entertaining. It is, sorry for the language. I apologize. Um, do you, can we do one more? Or do you guys? Is it the end? Sure. Oh wait, wait. So one more. I was going to ask about the catacomb scene. I, the lighting was was one of the breathtaking parts about that. How you use the flare, the the light on the gun. Were, were those choices to to brighten the scene, or were those specific the choices. choices? Okay. Yeah. And I, the choices. Okay. Uh, I want to make it dark, and of course, uh, a clone is a rejuvenation of life. So I want something death around them. What's the best? <laughs> How can you find a better way to <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> and visually inspiring? Uh, but that place is supposed to have no light source. And 3D like lights. They really like lights. Uh, they don't like the uh, the black behind uh, the character crashing into it. They don't like things to crash, which is one of the lessons I learned in this movie, not last one. Uh, last one, I learned not to use backlight too much. But this one, I realized you know, they don't like black. They don't like crushing. Um, so to design that eerie, dark feeling also give uh, excuses to have little shimmering lights to make the separations. Um, uh, yeah, I thought of the, the, the flare. And we, we shade the, the light. Um, that's supposed to be a small gun light that we pick pretty powerful light on top of it. And our best gaffer is Mary. You know, her job is <laughs> to <laughs> she does a good job of performing, hitting the mark, and also lighting. She's <laughs> quite an artist. <laughs> on that note, I want to say yeah, a few And quick... I like the oh. contrast too, I'm sorry. That has a cold touch to it, a little blue touch to it. And the other has uh, that that orangish, which is uh, a cue for danger. Each time we go danger, that's kind of our motif. We, we go orange, so that that combination also works. So it's just the flare is not enough. Um, so something cold tone and harsh, because it's like harsh reality uh, with ify orange dangerous background. That that was the design. I feel I've interrupted you like 16 times tonight. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, on that note, I want to give a huge thank you to Paramount Pictures again for letting us screen the movie early. A huge thank you to IMAX for being an awesome partner. A huge thank you to Thad and Dennis for filming the Q&A at Collider. Uh, and Dorian for taking some pictures. But most of all, a massive thank you to Ang Lee and Jerry Bruckheimer for doing this Q&A. Thank you. Thank you so, thank you. so much. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. Uh, thank you. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.